everybody. Don't know if you remember us. <laughs> it's been a while. Ryan, Levi, it's been a little while, but yeah. we told you we were taking a little bit of a summer break. We've come out of our summer hibernation. Yes. And oh, we are. Well, I feel like I should be hibernating even more. Yes. I don't know. And I feel like I should probably be a lot more tan if I've been like, you know, away. <laughs> it's like I've been at the beach or out in the sun. I haven't. All right. We just took a little summer break. Yeah. Levi's been at, he was at camp. And uh, I was just here, but you know, I have limited technical knowledge, so I can't make the rap go by myself, <laughs> nor can I make the rap go if I don't have my partner in crime with me. So we are back today and we are continuing uh, through the Bible, and specifically, we've been in the book of Isaiah. Yeah. And talked, I think, one week so far about Isaiah. Yes. And so we're going to continue to talk about Isaiah and where we found we ourselves. We talked about being rebels last time. We did. Ooh, man. Yeah, how they were being rebellious. I promise. I promise. Yes. Just keep watching these episodes because we will <laughs> get to sense. a point. Uh, next episode, we'll get to a point where we are talking a lot more about some more joyous things. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and so... Joy cometh in the next episode. Joy, joy cometh in every episode, but <laughs> yeah. it's kind of hidden sometimes. And today there will be joy in this episode yes. as well, too, because it is probably one of the most well-known sections of all of Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah has so many, I feel like, that are just like, oh, I know that one. Oh, yeah. oh I know that part. Uh, this one's big time. It's uh, one of the more quoted it is, sections. but one of the most misunderstood sections yeah. of Isaiah, uh, and that is in Isaiah 7:14, uh, where Isaiah makes his prophecy uh, that many believe. Now, this is where contention comes, and we don't have time to give a rap episode to all of the debate surrounding the meaning of this one verse, Isaiah 7:14, um, about a virgin who will give birth to a child. Um, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. There we go. That's our yeah. theme for today's episode, that God with us. And that's what we really, what I want to focus on today more than anything is that concept and that phrase of God with us. Um, for so. me, it's like one of those most, comf the most comforting phrases I can hear, yeah. you know, that God is with us. And I'm glad that you and brought not, that. you know, some distant God that never interacts with his creation. Yes but a God very intimately involved in our lives. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up because this is one of, I think, the important things that needs to be talked about that's not usually talked about with God, with us, and one of the most misunderstood parts of this passage. So, just to give some historical context, uh, everything that surrounds Isaiah 7.14 comes in the context of the reign of King Ahaz. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no other way to put it, but that King Ahaz was not good. Uh, so not good. Part of a string of not good. <laughs> yeah. Now, the next guy that comes on the scene, we'll talk about, you know, in the next episode. Good dude. Good dude. Uh, Ahaz, not. Not yeah. so much at all. Um, and what happens is uh, Assyria is the world power. They're kind of bearing down on all these little smaller countries and just steamrolling them. And Israel, the northern kingdom, and Syria say, we want to get together to try to fight back against Assyria. And they say, hey, Judah, why don't you come along with us? And King Ahaz says, nah, that's all right. Thank you very much. I'll just kind of stay here by myself and stay out of it. What he eventually does, actually, is he relies on and puts his trust in Assyria. He says, hey, I'll, we'll be a servant state of you, uh, and we'll pay you tribute and all that good stuff. And so Assyria basically kicks the tails of Israel and Syria, makes them go off the scene. 
but everything drives towards this point where Ahaz comes to, I'm um, not Ahaz, Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says, the Lord will give you a sign. He'll give you a sign. Ahaz, stop worrying. Stop fretting. Stop just yeah. getting all worked up over this. God will take care of you. God will be with you. And to prove that, he will give you a sign. Ask, now imagine this, by the way. <laughs> that God would come to you and say, Levi, I want to prove my love for you. Now we know this is a hypothetical because what greater way could God prove his love than to send his son Jesus, which he's already done. But he comes and he says, I want to let you know how real I am and how involved I am in your life and how much I'm with you. And he says this to Ahaz, you ask anything, anything as high as the heavens above or as deep as hell is basically what he says. Anything and I'll do it for you. Now, what would I mean? This is like a blank check. It like, is. It's like, I can ask for anything. anything. Yeah. You know, what does Ahaz say? Nah, I've got this. Yeah, exactly yeah. what he says. <laughs> no, nah, no, thank you. I've, I've got this under control myself because you know what? I've got my friend Assyria over here. We're going to take, we're going to take care of things. He's going to take care of things for us. Oh, how stupid. Yeah, in that moment, you're just like, I cannot believe you just said that. Yeah. And yeah. that's exactly kind of what Isaiah says. Yeah. Back to he says, loose paraphrase and translation here. Um, is it not enough that you have exhausted my patience and people's patience, but now you've exhausted God's patience? That's not a good place to be in. Ooh, no, that's a bad place to be in. Because God has a lot of patience. <laughs> yes. And he says, you don't want a sign? I'm going to give you a sign anyways. God will give you a sign anyways. And, and, and again, I wish we had some more time to really talk about this, but go do your own research. There's a lot of good stuff out there that talks about this. Um, God will give you a sign that, like I said again, virgin will give birth to a child. They will name him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The debate surrounds, we understand at this side of the cross in Jesus that that very strongly is an indication of Jesus. And that is so because the New Testament quotes that very yes. verse. Yeah. Matthew does. Points right at it. Matthew yeah. chapter 1 references that verse and points back at it saying, hey, and we had a conversation about this, and this is a strange thing about prophecy. I don't always think, and I almost think it's a bit of an impossibility sometimes, that these prophets knew exactly what they were predicting. Because for most of them, these messianic prophecies, these are six, right. seven hundred years before Jesus ever shows up. They never got to see the fulfillment no, of that No, but I think that they were faithful enough to just preach the message knowing that there is importance in this. Right. Um, and again, the debate surrounds what was the immediate direct fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah 7 and what was the long term? We believe and I believe very strongly that the long term fulfillment of that and, the, and what I would call the ultimate fulfillment right. of that is Jesus. Now, time out. I'm going to go into some teaching time here. This is very important to understand as it has to do with prophecy. Okay, I'm not, I promise I'm not going to do my Sesame Street bit, all right? <laughs> Why? I no, know. you should. Because well, I can't get very far away because it like loses its punch a little bit. <laughs> There is in prophecy, uh, when you see a prophecy in the Old Testament, a direct and a near fulfillment of prophecy, and there is a far or what is called most of the time ultimate fulfillment of prophecy. And that ultimate fulfillment of prophecy means and comes in Jesus. Like We understand this. We've been talking about this a lot, haven't we, that um, everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Right. It's all a signpost that says that's where you're supposed to be looking, not really necessarily here, but there. But in Isaiah's day, um, I, 
I really couldn't explain to you because there's no biblical indication as to what the direct near fulfillment of this Isaiah 714 is. But I think what's very, very important, and like I said, this is what I would want to spend time talking about, is that the direct, the, the far or the ultimate fulfillment is really where it's at, that yeah. God is with us. Now, you had talked about when you think of the term God with us, we usually do what? Like, yeah, that's comforting. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I had likened it in the sermon to when we 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 um, we, we think that that phrase is all the time a really good phrase. And this let me let me get through this, and then we will get to the really good, the, the the more hopeful stuff in the Old Testament. God being with someone was not always a good thing, <laughs> right? Right. Can you think of any examples where God being with was not always a good thing or why God being with us would not necessarily always be a good thing? If we're uh, on the side of judgment, <laughs> that's God. it'd be like, you know, when your parent comes to your room to punish you. They're with you. They're with you. <laughs> you don't want, <laughs> you don't want the that moment, with. Right? I don't yeah. want your with right now. Yeah, I think I think that's the, the biggest thing. If we if we are truly if our heart is right with God, that being with is very comforting. But if not, you know, if there's judgment happening, yeah, you're right. That's that's the flip side of that of Yeah. Yeah. I think, and what we referenced in the sermon was back in Exodus, you remember when the Israelites come out of Egypt and they meet God at Mount Sinai. God shows up. He's with his people, but it's terrifying. Yeah. He comes down on Mount Sinai, smoke, thunder, lightning. And in fact, they say, I believe it's, I don't know if it's in Exodus 18, but I think it's in Exodus 19, actually, that they finally look at Moses and they're like, Moses, <laughs> we're going to need you to talk to God. Because if you're we gonna go, have to we're going to die. Yeah, because if yeah. he talks to us or we get yeah. near that mountain, dead, yeah. done. And so um, that's, that's not, and you, and you hit the nail on the head. When people are separated from God and they are in judgment under God, and they have not put their trust and faith in God, God with us is not a good thing. No. It's like putting a spoon in a microwave. It's just not good. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. And so that's why I think we focus as well, because, because number one, like I said, I don't think we know exactly what the direct fulfillment of this Isaiah right. is. We, it's just not there in biblical record. We can't, I mean, you can we can't definitively say. No, you can yeah. speculate all day long of what that might mean. And I've, I mean, I read so many different hypotheses. And then again, it could have been something that really did mean something to them. Yes. In its form that is and written. It, and it wouldn't mean anything but to us. But to us, yeah. It it's lost kind of to lost. us. But what is, like I said, very meaningful to us and meaningful to the entire world and all of history is the fact that I, I really truly believe, as Matthew points to in Matthew chapter 1, tells Joseph, you will, Mary is with child, she will have a baby, and you are to name him Jesus. Emmanuel. Now, he doesn't say, this is what's very interesting about this. He doesn't say Emmanuel. He says you are to name him Jesus, which we know the Hebrew of that is Yeshua, which means God saves. Yeah. So this is where good news comes in. And this is why I think sometimes we can't just rip Isaiah 7, 14 and be like, hey, that's Jesus. Like, no, we have to understand. I kind of phrase it this way. We have to know the bad news before we appreciate the good news. Mm, yeah. 
And so what's really important about Matthew 1, when, he, when this angel tells Joseph, you are to name him Jesus, Yeshua, God saves, there is no Emmanuel. But the implication there is he is fulfilling both kind of offices, if you will, right. to be God with us and a God who saves us. And so in that, he is God for us. Yeah. I mean, so do you understand? I mean, what's, how is that different and much more meaningful that God is not just with us, but he is also for us? Uh, that means we're on God's good side. Yes. First of all, right? Like, um, you know, and we're, we're going to get this in the next episode, but the whole idea of that saving and that grace and mercy that's extended yes. um, allows us to be in his presence, yeah. right? And, and so um, that God is for us yeah. is much more comforting, especially to a people who have been far from him. Yeah. And have been called back to him. Yeah. And have seen the judgment side of God. And and so I think that would have been of for them kind of a call back. Yeah. Oh, it was a call back mm-hmm. to him and to his presence. You know, the God who saves and is for us. Yep. And not, you know, judge. Yeah. At that moment. I mean, like I say, it's one thing on one level for say that God is with us. Right. But to be for us. And that's why all over scripture, this whole idea pops up again and again. I I am with you. I will not leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. I am not just with you, but I am for you. Uh, But there is, like you said, a stipulation, and you kind of had it in there. It's like you have to put your trust and your faith in Christ. If so, for King Ahaz, who didn't put his trust in God. That's the whole point. That sign was very... Judgmental. Judgmental, yeah. Yeah, in the best possible sort of right, way. Right. Yeah, like not, like, you know, being very judgmental. No, yeah. um, no, God has every right to be the judge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is always amazes me, and this has really come up a lot here, especially in Isaiah, as we've been talking about <laughs> some really heavy stuff and judgment and rebellion, is like God simultaneously holds in him justice and wrath and love and grace and mercy. And he holds them perfectly in balance, you know. Yeah. And it's just always amazing to me uh, to think about that. And you're right, like I said, it is, there's a deeper level of meaning for God being with us and for us. But again, necessarily, we have to place our faith, our trust right. in God through Christ and be saved yeah. uh, in that. Uh, I want to kind of s- big switch in gears here and talk <laughs> a little bit about um, just the the improbability of, and sometimes, you know, I actually wrote a message, uh, a message, not a message, an article for the News Examiner because I was just like really caught up in this concept. Of this for those of you who don't know, News Examiner is the Connorsville newspaper. Sorry. That's, that's for our, our, our friends. Non-Connorsvillians. Connorsvillians, yes. Yes, that is the local newspaper um, that I never read. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I understand, this I'm totally aside here, I submitted my article and then I find out, and they're like, oh, we didn't have you on the, the article schedule. And Eric's like, well, that's all right. When somebody doesn't write one, you use that one and stuff like that. So anyways, I was so caught up in this concept of yeah. Isaiah 714, a virgin birth. And, you know, we, I think especially in the church, you know, we talk about that concept of the necessity and the importance of a virgin birth. And it kind of sort of gets lost and it loses mm-hmm. its punch. But, like, it's... 
so highly important, so necessary to our faith to believe in Jesus being the fulfillment of this prophecy. And, and I kind of had gone on this little, I go in a lot of rabbit holes when it comes to sermon prep. Um, I Those had are go- fun to go down. Yeah, they are. They are. And this was well, really- and I think it helps you kind of get a big 360 degree view yeah. of the sermon when you kind of explore those different yeah, little rabbit yeah. holes and so yeah. one of the things i was listening to a sermon and the guy was saying you know there certainly have been a lot of very unusual and unique births and pregnancies in history um and so i just kind of started looking through this and he mentioned several of them uh, most recently at the uh, u.s track championships qualifiers for the olympics there was a uh, a lady a woman uh, who was competing in the heptathlon, uh, hept meaning seven, seven grueling events, and she was 18 months pregnant. Oh, uh, no, sorry, 18 months, 18 weeks pregnant. That made no sense. Like, 18 she was months, double, wow. She was double pregnant. No, uh, you were talking eight, about some weird pregnancies. <laughs> there you go. That's, that that's takes a the weird cake one. right there. 18 weeks, <laughs> gotcha. sorry, okay. uh, which is pretty pregnant. I mean, pregnant. she had visibly a belly on her and everything. And you know what the most amazing part of it was? You would think, I think they said that there were like 18 competitors in the, in the heptathlon event. Where would you imagine that she finished in the heptathlon? You said there were 18? Yes. 18th. Yeah, 19th maybe, right? No, she yeah. finished 16th. Wow. And she didn't even finish some of her events. Like some of the running events that were longer, she just did a part of it and then just, just off the track because she said, I've got to protect myself and I've got to protect yeah. the baby, yeah. but I want to compete. Um, that's, that's unusual. Uh, read several accounts of ladies who were either part of U.S. track. Um, one lady that was like, I'm trying to think how, uh, eight months pregnant maybe? Jeez. Running. Uh, people who ran the Boston Marathon at like nine months pregnant. Wow. People who were running sub six minute miles at eight, nine months pregnant. I'm like, I can never in my best day, in my best shape, run a <laughs> sub six minute mile. And they're doing it eight, nine months pregnant. So, so many stories of that, and you talked a little bit and had some fun with uh, the world record, the Guinness world record of the person who was the oldest to have a surviving birth at 70 years old. Just, yeah, Can you right? think that? about that for a while, right? <laughs> and the heaviest birth, which was like 22 pounds plus Jeez. ounce. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, like birthing a toddler. It is. It's like, how did you do that? Anyways, talk about all this strange stuff. Uh, we talked about a, a story of a family who had um, ki- three kids in consecutive years, and their birthdays were um, August 8th of 2008. Next year had a child, September 9th, 2009. And the next year had a child, um, October 10th, 2010. So That's their crazy. birthdays were 888 10 and, and I can't remember what the probability of that was, but it was like one in like astronomical of the chances of that. And the reason I we went through all this is we got to Jesus into this concept of a virgin birth. And statisticians and mathematicians have run the numbers and they have tried to figure out of for one person to fulfill just eight of the hundreds of prophecies about a Messiah, eight. Uh, would be 1 times 10 to the 17th power. That's 1 with 17 zeros behind it. Jeez. Or to put that in, in a number, it's 100 quadrillion. Just, just eight I, of them. It, just eight. Just eight. Of the hundreds yeah. of prophecies about a Messiah that Jesus fulfills, it, it's, it's a statistical anomaly. 
It's unique. It is the most unique thing. And the virgin birth is the most unique. It, it has never happened. It will never happen again. It happened once in time yeah. for Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. Um, they, I, again, I'm a visual person, and I've told people when I, when I was preaching, I assume that you're probably visual as well. I said the likelihood, again, of Jesus, one person, fulfilling just eight of those would be like taking 100 quadrillion silver dollars that would fill the state of Texas, which we know Texas is everything. It's a big state. Everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. It would fill um, Texas to two feet deep. That's how big a number 100 quadrillion is. Taking one of those silver dollars, marking it with an X, throwing it in there, mixing everything all back up, throwing somebody in there blindfolded, they would go in all throughout the state of Texas, two feet deep in silver dollars, and find that coin with marked with an X. <laughs> That's the probability and likelihood yeah. that one person never going to happen. Can, again. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. It, the odds are off the table. Yeah. Um, but I was listening to a sermon where all this, well, a lot of that came from, and the whole sermon series was called "Against All Odds." Mm. And I feel like that really perfectly states who God is, that he yeah. is a God who is always seemingly against all odds, yeah. and he always overcomes those odds. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a great segue to kind of begin ending here. <laughs> yeah, I, well, and, and that segue is really good into next week's episode, because we were talking about, you know, God comes back and, and asks them, you know, what have your idols done for you? Can, can any of you make them do anything good? Or yeah. bad, anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, but God, yet God does all these seemingly impossible. Well, they are impossible to us. They're, it's it's what they call supernatural. Yeah. yeah but people yeah. don't want to talk about supernatural no. because that's okay, we can't weird verify right? that by scientific terms and scientific ways. But well, I think that's that's why God works in such a way that we it can't, can't be explained. We can't explain it. You know, nothing nothing that we can do can. I mean, we that. certainly can't explain. Some, some things about God, but there are far more things that we have no explanation yeah. for. Yeah. And that's all right. That's what makes God, God. Yeah, because if, if you can explain everything that that's God does, God. that's not God. Yeah. yeah. And so God is always working against the odds, but he always overcomes those odds. And today we specifically kind of end things, and we've talked about this concept. Of he, he overcomes those odds through his son and through yeah. Jesus. Yeah. As Messiah, uh, as he sends him into the world in Matthew chapter one, which, by the way, a super super duper seg to a few week, a couple weeks from now is we will be entering officially the yes. New Testament uh, in like another two episodes, and we'll be in Matthew chapter one talking about Jesus' birth again, yeah. and so this will all kind of come full circle again. Um, back back but, to Christmas in in what August? Yeah, Christmas in August, which I was really upset. People who are watching this right now, you'll get an insight on this, but I didn't get a chance to wear my Christmas yes, suit. Yes, you because you were down with, with COVID. I was down with COVID. Yeah. I was going to wear it in July, but I just never had a chance. So maybe August, the first Sunday in August, yeah. I'm at least coming in the jacket with for it. And, but <laughs> yes. I don't know. We'll see. Yes. Um, if I might wear it to a, a wrap episode. There we know? go. So they get go. to see it as well, too, if they didn't see it on a Sunday morning. Again, as always, guys, so glad that you can join us. We are so excited to be back after a little bit of yeah. a rest. Um, and we will see you guys next episode. See you guys.